Our Bible reading this morning uh, was quite short, uh, but it spells out uh, a couple of very crucial things. And uh, we're going to have a look at some of those now. The passage is short, but it teaches four things about prayer. Uh, It teaches us about how God treats us and about how we should treat others. I'd like to unpack the four things in particular as we go along. And uh, in the top left you can see the uh, scene from, this is taken from the Sermon on the Mount. So it teaches that Jesus' followers should be uh, uh, prayerful and stay close to him. In the top right there's somebody who's, um, you can see, being really earnest and labouring away in prayer. Because prayer should be serious and persistent. We need to show God that we mean business with him. The bottom left we see that uh, God answers prayer. Not always in the ways that we want at the time. But he knows best. And on the bottom right we see that when we pray, God wants us to pray with faith and expectancy. Like a child asking his loving father for something good. And trusting that he's going to get not a snake, but well, not a stone, but bread, not a snake, but chocolate, and so on. Prayer is for followers of Jesus. So let's uh, have a look at the, uh, the picture here. Um, it, what it does, it shows some people walking up a hill, Jesus and a bunch of his followers, because that's what was going on at, uh, when Jesus said these words. This is the context in which he says, ask, seek, and knock. The context is that it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, so you can see there's a bit of water in the background. That's not Pool Harbour, that's uh, the north end of the Sea of Galilee. People walking up a hill, and uh, yeah, Jesus uh, teaching them. They're people who've made a clear decision that they want to be with Jesus. Although the context makes clear that the prayers that Jesus is talking to and the prayers that Jesus is talking about are his followers. They're not some random group of people. It's natural if we want to want God to respond like a loving father with the generosity and grace that he does, then our relationship with him is important. And one of the great things about being a Christian is being adopted as children of God. In the words of the baptism service, we've given Oliver's uh, parents and godparents a very important task to teach Oliver to know God in public worship and also in private prayer. So think of that song we were singing just now about carrying some of those things to God in prayer. Prayer assumes the lordship of Jesus and the presence of God. Our next picture is those, those, those hands on a Bible. And can we have the next one? Yeah. And uh, it's teaching us to be serious and persistent in our prayers. That's what Jesus does. Um, actually, the person praying with their Bible open suggests to me a couple of things. They partly anticipate that God speaks and answers through the Bible. He does. That's why we've given Oliver a New Testament this morning. 
And it also partly suggests that prayer should be part of a regular daily quiet time uh, with God and his word. But I want to return to what Jesus actually said. Ask, seek, and knock. A-S-K. The words he uses, ask, seek, and knock, they're imperatives. They're not just ideas. He's saying, do this. And also, their words are in the present tense. So Jesus is assuming that we're doing them in the present tense. We keep on doing them. They're continuous. And uh, when the business of asking, seeking, knocking, and so on. Incidentally, please don't get the idea that prayer is just about asking. We're looking today at part of Matthew 7. And to say the obvious, Matthew 7 follows Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is where he's just taught them the Lord's Prayer about the importance of thanking, saying sorry, and then asking please to God, all those things. God answers prayers. GAP, G-A-P. Yep, he does. But not always in the way that we anticipate. Uh, Jesus teaches this by an extreme example, an absurd example. He often does that, actually. That's one of the ways that he did uh, make things memorable. And uh, we unpacked a bit of that in our sketch. Like a loving father, then God loves to give his children good things. Not just chocolate, although I know Jasper enjoyed that. Um, but um, Oliver, I'm sure we'll come and ask you in due course for various things. Uh, but deeper things like love and forgiveness and peace. God gives those. And God will pay any cost to, uh, to give those things. The cost of his own son, Jesus, dying on the cross. That's why the cross is right at the front of church. We read and we saw that God answers prayer. But not always in the way that we anticipate. He's sovereign, we're not. And he knows what's best. I'm glad, frankly, that uh, God has answered some of my prayers in ways that I didn't intend at the time when I said them. I know my life would have been different, less good, less fulfilling in all sorts of ways if God had just said yes to the things I was asking for at the time. In prayers, Jesus teaches us to submit to God that might actually ring bells in the baptism service. When we ask the question, do you submit to Jesus? Lord, I submit to Christ. Submission, very important. Jesus taught it in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done, and so on. And he lived it. Even the night before he died in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's what he says. He says, your will be done. May things be done your way, not mine. The uh, next picture shows a, a child, that child asking their dad uh, for good things. This is the fourth thing that we should learn from prayer. Faith involves...
prayer involves a childlike faith and expectancy. Think of Jasper's wholehearted enthusiasm as he asks his dad for food. Dad, Dad, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. Well, prayer is not just a case of getting what we want. There's a promise that ultimately things are going to turn out for good. And Aidan was absolutely right as he reminded us that actually we'll get, things were going all wrong the first time and it was only the second time that things were right. God is a loving God and he loves to give us good things. As I said earlier, that involves his love, his forgiveness, his peace, and so much more. I want to end with this picture. And uh, it just reminds us again, I'm ending with this because Jesus ends with this. It's about how God treats us and how we should treat others. Our last verse... Verse 12 of that passage is sometimes called the golden rule. Long before Jesus, people used to teach this in its negative form from Greeks and Romans to those much further afield like Confucius in China in about 500 BC said this, what you do not want done to you, do not do to others. Various legal systems have been built on principles like that. But Jesus was the first person to turn this around and turn it into a positive thing. Do what? Do to others what you would have them do to you. This goes way beyond legal systems, way beyond laws uh, to hearts and minds and uh, so much more. Jesus is teaching like father, like child. And with that in mind, let's pray.